0: uh carlo hey hey man welcome to table chat
1: thank you for having me
0: yeah you know what's gonna happen ben's gonna pop in here maybe at some point and if he pops in he may play the theme music in the middle of our conversation just roll I with love it, it. that's how we okay do it. <laughs> carlo you
1: you're in long island yeah uh yeah so on, i'm like on right long in the- island is that how you say so it? i I, I don't know. Like, um, I I'm, I moved to Queens. So technically, I'm in Queens.
0: Oh, okay. All but
1: right. Long Island is literally walking distance from me. So oh, I'm like that person who's like, I live in New York. And you're like, yeah, but barely. Like, on a technicality, you know?
0: Like, <laughs> I got it. Cool, man. So you're in Queens, like far north yeah. of Queens, right? Like, real far north?
1: Do you Maybe. know? I, Do you know? Where are you? <laughs> you <know> what? <laughs> you know what happened? I moved in. Okay, so uh, we moved here in February, and then yes. uh, I oh was like hanging gosh. out with my cousins. I know, right? And then like maybe two weeks passed, and COVID like became big because before then everyone was like, mm, "It's COVID going to be like another SARS, you know, swine yeah. flu? Like yeah. it's going to be kind of scary, but not for real scary for like most people." But then COVID broke out, so I just stayed in uh, my house. Um, And then since then, I've sort of explored my neighborhood more, but Hmm. haven't taken the train too much. I think I took the train maybe twice. Uh, You know, just the idea of like public spaces is like slowly growing on me. So see how that goes.
0: Dude, I saw some posts. This is back in uh, late spring when New York was really getting hit hard by COVID. Yeah. Yeah. I had I saw this post of somebody like cheering on their neighborhood because somebody went for a run through the neighborhood without a mask. And legit Mm. people were like opening doors, opening windows, throwing vegetables at this person, like legit (laughs) steaming ticked, like chasing this person out of the neighborhood. And I just thought, man, that's so strange because that is not at all the vibe here like when you're outside and you're running you don't have to wear a mask but new york new york does not mess around dude
1: only new york baby <laughs>
0: uh, all right so you've been in new york kicking it with moms and your cousins yeah. i think your sister's yeah. around too what what else My are you up to let out. us know yeah your sister came back from school so are, you've been applying to a few jobs what kind of what kind of work are you looking at
1: yeah so uh i've uh, been freelancing as a um editor um I tutor on the side, um, and right now I'm I'm looking at different uh, publishing houses jobs. So there's some Mm. editorial assistants at Simon & Schuster that are talking to me, and they seem really excited, so keep me in your prayers for that. And um, there's another publishing house I applied to, Penguin uh, Random House. Think is, I might be getting my publishing house is confused, uh, but but that's going on. Uh, if if they hear me, I didn't get it confused. I'm just testing you to make sure that you know that I really know that I'd be a great employee. I don't know, and uh, and um, so I got that going on. Uh, and then I'm I'm working on my second novel right now, um, and my agent is uh, uh, pushing me to. I think about 10 different publishers right now. So we're waiting to hear back on them.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, one of the things that I wanted to chat about, hang on a second. I just got some weird echo. Oh, look at that. Okay. It's gone. Uh, one of the things that, uh, I've, I've realized just because we interact on social media and I know you've been coming to zoom worship, um, at the table still is, uh, you're, you're writing the series of short stories and you're posting them on a, a Patreon page you have, and you are writing basically, let me see if I can like really butcher this and then you clean it up. You're Dude, like, you're taking, you're taking the story of Jesus and some mm-hmm. of the sermon on the Mount teachings, and you are recontextualizing them for present day and rewriting them as a, as short stories. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Yes. That's mostly correct. Um the, the The like small detail is that it's set in uh, modern day America, Um, except it's not called the United States; it's called the Roman Empire. And uh, there's (laughs) a lot of very subtle, (laughs) so (laughs) subtle, so subtle. You know, like I'm not gonna lie. Like I remember uh, after what was it? Like, because that's the thing about it, right? Like you you listen to sometimes you read the Bible or, or you you look at church history and you look at the teachings of the church fathers. And you're like, we couldn't have hammered this harder on the head. Hmm. And modern Christians are like, I don't, I don't me. No, 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 Mm -hmm. We're, we're the Israelites. We're afraid of the Babylonians. And you're Mm -hmm. like, you live in the strongest empire in world history. How are you the Israelites?
0: Yeah. 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 Okay. So it's a, so it's set in the Roman empire and, um, okay. And so then tell us a little bit more about how did you get this idea? What was compelling about it for you? And what, yeah, just set it up for us.
1: Yeah. So, uh, about in college, I actually started rewriting Bible stories. Um, because I think there's sometimes we've heard, like, we're so familiar with Bible stories that we take them for granted. So people have a lot of contempt a lot of times when you hear them and we don't like, for example, the first one that I think I wrote was, uh, Hannah and Samuel where Hannah prays for a baby. And then, you know, she gets pregnant with Samuel and we always, at least growing up, I always heard that story as, yay, God heard Sam, uh, Hannah's prayer. But I don't know, around college, I just started looking at the Bible differently. And I was thinking, what a weird pagan thing to do to like, mm-hmm. if you give me a child, I will sacrifice this child like to the temple, you know, like you have to live for the rest of your life in the temple. Like, what a weird story. Like, how yeah. is that a happy ending? So I started doing that with a whole bunch of different Bible stories. And um, about last year, uh, I really started thinking about uh, how radical the story of Jesus is um, and how it, it needs to be retold from the perspective of the people who are always told the story and never claim the story for themselves, I feel.
0: Hmm. So people who always get told about Jesus but don't identify with the Jesus story. Is that what you're saying?
1: Right, right. And no. Jesus is usually like he's wearing a toga, he's white, he maybe even redhead, you know, like in Palestine. <laughs> you, know. you know all those redheaded Palestinians, you know? <laughs> you, uh, know. you know, uh you know, he, he 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 speaks with a British accent, you know? Um <laughs> like shakespearean british it's like little things like that and then you know you're you know i'm growing up in modern day indianapolis and i'm like i mm. like this guy seems nice i'm not i'm not gonna say that he's a jerk but i don't really have, it's like talking to a nice old person you're like that's so sweet but i i kind of had to get into kroger so like i don't know what to do <laughs> you know yeah um so so you know it was just sort of like how can jesus like be real to us so I just kept thinking about the story of the annunciation about Mary being, you know, what was it like 14, 15 years old. Yeah, yeah. And an angel appears to her and says, "Hey, you know, we're going to transform the world and and language that we've used in the Bible for so long, we've lost the power of it. So when, you know, we say things like Jesus' is Lord or Jesus' is King or Mary agreeing to to basically, you know, be the vessel through which God enters into the earth. This is high treason. This is a crime against the state. And like, why haven't we focused on that? So what if I retold the story of Jesus in that sort of light?
0: Yeah. Okay. So then tell us who Jesus is in this, in the Roman empire. Like what, where, what demographic does he fall in? What socioeconomic status does he have and what's his name?
1: right so his name is uh yosha nazori um he is uh black and native his mother is afro latina and his father is black with a uh, cherokee ancestry um just to get all the demographics you know. just get them all uh, in there yeah yeah get them all. yeah he's a uh, no okay, i'm not gonna do that all right <laughs> um so but yeah no i did i do want to really stress that jesus is a person of color right especially considering yeah. that like uh, Jesus is living in an occupied territory. So, you know, Native Americans who live on the land that their ancestors lived and called home yeah. can't move on their that own land as freely as they want to. You know, um, black Americans who historically continuously have to bear the brunt and the weight of anything that happens mm. in the United States, whether for good or bad, we're the last people to get the good we the first people and the longest people to hold on to the bat. So w- instead of Jesus being a white guy who's empathizing with us, mm. what? how does the story look like when Jesus is a black guy who lives in the ghetto with us when God is like, hey, you shouldn't be treating people like this. If for nothing else, because your God is in the ghetto. So that's uh, who Jesus is. He or Yosha is. Uh, Yosha went to school. He became a professor, but he... Um, stopped being a professor, and he decided to go into politics. Uh, There were two political parties, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Uh, The Sadducees are really strict uh, and really concerned with wealth. And the Pharisees are really concerned with, like, you know, reaching all the the distant demographic people that, you know, usually no one thinks they care about, but they're not really serious about it. They're Mm. just, like, all words, like, no action. Mm. So there's a resistance movement that has been going on in the United States for hundreds of years. And now uh, Yosha Nazori, he comes up, he meets his cousin Juan. Uh, They have uh, a recommitment of the United States, a a, a reorganization of America at Jamestown Colony. And now they go out and they're transforming uh, the government, they're transforming societies while fighting against uh, some alien species that have been uh walking in different dimensions on planet earth for a Dude, years.
0: But this is like Lovecraft Craft Country. This is like a little bit of like I love it. Yeah. It's like sci-fi meets the bible meets uh, yeah, like a decolonized sociopolitical reading of the scripture. Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, uh, this is awesome. Okay, so yeah. um, Okay, uh, I can say this. The, the reason I the reason I picked aliens um, is like, well, there's a lot of different reasons for it, but it really worked because aliens so often in our in our world, we use colonial language around it, right? Mm. What would happen? Wouldn't it be horrible, Matt? Wouldn't it be just the worst thing if a species of people came with uh with technology better than ours <laughs> and with like, you know, military might stronger than us? And and what if they told us how to live? And what if they brought diseases and and just destroyed our whole system of life. Wouldn't that be horrible? Mm. Yeah,
0: Carlo. So right. Carlo. Okay. So wait. Uh, hey, Ben strinky Welcome to Table Chat.
2: Hey, uh, good to be here. We just get started, right? <laughs> just Time to getting bring started. The <laughs> I apologize for being late. That's okay. Sorry, right, Ben. We might as well play the music now. It sounds like Carlo just said something really fun and cool. Okay, here's so, some, I'm going to summarize it right after over yeah. the music. <laughs> When the music, music kicks in, there we go. A pause here. All
0: right. All right. So let me. I'm going to set this up for you. Yoshe uh, is Jesus, and he lives in a modern day Roman Empire. He's basically uh, the United Colors of Benetton, Cherokee, Black, Latino, Latinx. Uh, I'm missing one, but just fill in the blanks. He's got it all going on. Uh, he's He comes from – he lives in the ghetto. Uh, he was a professor, but now he's quit that and he's into politics. There's two made, major parties, uh, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, in this, in this world that Carlos created. The Sadducees are all about wealth and power, uh, and the Pharisees are all about saying they want to bring people together and trying to help people but not actually doing anything to change anything. So they're sort of about their own power, but they're using the marginalized – to get it, um, in in this Roman Empire, uh, to introduce like an extra complexity, there's this um, alien presence, this highly advanced technolo- technological alien presence that's invading the Roman Empire, and subjugating all of the the main people in power, telling them that they don't have the technology. Or the wherewithal or the intelligence to use their property, their land, their resources well. And they're using that to justify taking it from them. And so what Yoshe is doing is he's got a group of people they've gone to back to Jamestown and they're sort of refounding the Roman Empire based upon a different way of living.
2: Going back Carlo. to Jamestown? Yeah. Yeah, the Jamestown colony, Jamestown. you know? Back where it all began. <laughs> yeah. I love uh, I love how uh, many layers there are to this.
1: Did I get that right, Carlo? Uh, yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> the Romans they don't know. The Romans the don't Romans, know what. They they don't know about the aliens. They oh. they don't believe in the aliens. The aliens are called seraphs, and they don't believe in them. Um, the marginalized do, but the Romans don't, and that's why the seraphs are able to like control the Romans.
0: Because the Romans won't acknowledge they exist.
1: Yeah. Exactly.
0: Oh. Dang. Wow. All right. All right. Uh, uh, by the way, there's all kinds of uh, manifest destiny doctrine of discovery kind of stuff Absolutely. going on there. We don't have to talk about that, but uh, I want to highlight something you said earlier, Carlo, and we want to um, pick like pick one of your sermon on the Mount re- reworkings, and we'll have you read it here yeah. in a second. I love that. Um, but one of the things that I think needs to be said over and over and over and over and over again is that Jesus was a person of color, living, in a occupied land without rights and privileges and freedoms.
1: Right.
0: And that's, we could say way more than that, but uh, we don't, we, and so when we read about Jesus and we aren't maybe a marginalized minority person and we do have rights and freedoms and privileges and we are in control of our bodies and we have autonomy, um, we cannot uh collapse Jesus into our world. Mm. Like we 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 fundamentally do damage to who Jesus is and what he was doing when we don't consciously appreciate that his world is totally different than ours. And I'm not just talking about like 2000 years ago. Like anybody's right. world 2000 years ago. But with all those sort of all those different parts of his identity or parts of what constituted his world, they're very foreign to many white Americans and uh, you're highlighting that it sounds like in this reworking, yeah
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's every time we forget that about Jesus, what no matter what the context of the story was, the the church is worse for it. So when the church forgets that Jesus is Jewish, then we start creating anti-Semitic theology that ends yeah. up hurting ourselves in the very long run, but hurting Jewish people in the, in the immediate future. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we forget that Jesus, uh, shows many feminine traits that our society considers, you know, undesirable instead of like Jesus with a tattoo on his thigh, you know, mm-hmm. we see Jesus meek and mild laying down his life on the cross. Whenever we dis, we try to push ourselves away from the femininity of Jesus. It's for the worst of masculinity. Yeah. Um, Every time we forget that Jesus is Palestinian, uh, that he's a person of color, you know, that he's poor. It's for the worse for everyone else. Yes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, it's not like, it sounds like, it's It's not like Jesus doesn't have anything to say to us. It's just that the things that he could say to us, we won't be able to hear unless we remember these other things about Jesus.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, like, like, no one, no one... You never see black people or poor people or women saying, mm, "I don't know." It's a white person preaching. It's a rich person preaching. It's a it's a man preaching. I, I can't. There's nothing I can really appreciate from this. It's it's just the humility that, like, maybe I I might have something to learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. All right.
0: Well, hey, Carla, would you indulge us? Would you um Would you read a part of maybe one of your reworkings re- re- of the Sermon on the Mount and give us any context we need to? to enter it into what you're reading.
1: Yeah, for sure. So um, so this is the first, uh, part one of the manifesto. So, Yosha has already started a following and those who are in his following or who are interested in joining his following are um, being instructed by the manifesto. So the manifesto's readings, they all work like this. They come in two parts. In the first part, we have the words of Yosha, uh, you know, like retranslated for our, for our story and um in the second part we kind of have like a little section that explains how that would look like in practice Mm. um so yeah so this is going to be from his first uh from the the first um section of our manifesto our first part and uh it's a reworking of luke chapter six i want to say verse 20 yeah verse 20 to 24 23 ish um The Manifesto of Yosha Nazori, as recorded by Lucas in his sixth chapter, In this government, favor and privilege goes to the poor, because the government of heaven is made for them. In this government, favor and privilege go to the hungry, because fullness and satisfaction goes to them. In this government, favor and privilege go to the mourners and all who suffer, because laughing and dancing, bread and roses go to them. Let it be clear. People will hate you if you follow me. They'll stop inviting you to parties. You'll be a thorn in people's sides. They say, they'll say that you're evil and want to destroy society and sow chaos. They will do this and worse if you follow me. But when they do that, great favor and privilege will be with you. Be full of joy at that time because you have a great reward in God's presence. The ancest- their ancestors did the same thing and said the same things. To civil rights leaders, <laughs> that's
0: great, man. All right, so uh, Ben, what strikes you about that? Anything you Anything you heard you want to comment on?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's something that we've been emphasizing in this uh, Sermon on the Mount series. But I think the first thing is just you know how much um, how much we've like like your emphasis there, Carlo, on government in this government, you know, in this way of doing things, and it, like it's really earthy. It's very political. It's very much like, oh, we have to work out how we're going to actually like deal with, you know, each other and these things. Like, so I I think that's the first thing that strikes me is just, is just, it's a, it's another reminder that Jesus wasn't just giving us pretty words, as Dallas Willard said, like he, you know, he, he's actually giving us instruction on what's, uh, what the kingdom is like and, and what, you know, what his government is like. And that's, that's another, that's a good translation of kingdom. It's like, well, that, that, that's where a king rules. And that's where a king governs, you know? And right. so, yes. so, yeah, that, that's one, th- that's one thing that I appreciated about that and that I have appreciated about our series is just the earthiness of politics and the way that Jesus speaks to those things. Yes.
0: Yeah. Carlo. And what was the way you, uh, um, did you say favor and privilege? Was the, was that yeah. The
1: So it was the idea of, it was a, yeah. Instead um, of,
0: like, that's the way you're, that's the way you're reinterpreting blessedness. Why why did you decide on those two words, favor and privilege for blessedness?
1: Blessedness is a very holy word. You know, it's a very Christianese word, at least in Western society. Um, Mystical. And and I love all the the things that kind of come along with that. But, you know, like, (laughs) you know, saying bless you when you sneeze isn't the same as somebody saying, you know, I need to be blessed by God. And like, you know, so, uh, so what is blessing? And I was just kind of breaking them down. This is kind of how I write the stories. I I'll take the idea and I'll break it down. Like, okay, what does this mean? Like if I was saying it to today, so somebody Mm -hmm. who's completely unfamiliar with Christianity, how would I translate blessing to them? Um, so it's privilege. It's the chance that, you know, uh, when you're, son of someone you get to do things that other people can't do um my dad's a doctor growing up as a kid we would like go into like the employees only sections of hospitals and get to sit in doctor's lounges and do all sorts of things and if anybody saw us they'd be like what are you doing here and i'm like my dad's a doctor and they're like oh okay go right ahead so now i have access and i have like power to Mm. do because of who my father is um and uh the the favor, the favor is like, you know, special favor. So like, you know, the <laughs> it, it's something as small as like getting nine pieces in your eight piece chicken McNugget. Come but on. It, but, you know, it's, getting
2: it's a also, parking like, parking spot yeah, really close to the grocery store. Right.
1: <laughs> right. But, but, it, but, it, but it's also it's also something as big as like, hey, I want you to know that in the government, these people are the ones that you're going to be listening to. So Mm -hmm. in our government, favor and privilege go to the rich, um, go to the mostly Christian or, you know, something that can be swallowed as Christianity, um, you know, uh, favor and privilege go to the beautiful, Mm -hmm. uh, usually the young, but not always, but usually Mm -hmm. the young, um, the white, you know, the, the, the right accent, white, not, not any white. You got to be the good white, Mm -hmm. you know, like these, these are who favor and privilege go to in our, in our society. Polish accent. No, no, um, yeah, yeah, but you know, yeah, still, still a little more favor and privilege in a black yeah. person. Well,
2: the other thing that struck me, Carlo, about that um, translation is the slight discomfort that I feel, you know, by saying that privilege goes to these people, mm-hmm. right? Because it's, it's like, uh, I think it's most powerful, kind of like your seraphs in the story. It's most, uh, it's most powerful when you don't realize that it's there. You know what I mean? Like, and so, um, but, but Jesus was super categorical about this, right? He's mm-hmm. like the first shall be last. You know, he didn't say like, Hey, you guys have a game where the first are first and the last are last, but in my game, everybody finishes at the same time. Right. No, he actually just flips it on its head and he right. says, no, actually the last are going to be first. And maybe there's some sense in which he's saying that's what it'll seem like, but he's so categorical in what, how he says it that, um, That I like, I like the way that you said it, that it does, it does have the effect of flipping things on its head where it's like, well, hey, wait, why did they get privilege? They don't, you know, that is, do they deserve it? But, you know, we don't ask that about white people about, you know what I mean? Like the people who have privilege, we don't ask whether they deserve it. We sort of just assume that, oh, they, they must have deserved it. That that must be why they have all that money. Uh, They must be, they were, they worked hard or they were, you know, they, they did something good or, you know, that kind of a thing. So I like, like, I like that about it.
1: Yeah, no, I, we, it's, it's written to our story. Like I, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I, I totally, cause I know for myself growing up, I, I sort of wish and sort of read into the, that's what just means, what he's actually saying yeah. that like, oh no, 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 now we're going to be all egalitarian. Everybody goes in at the same time, because if I'm first in line, going in first in line with somebody else is fine, right. but like, I will not be second, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Yeah, dude. yeah. yeah, And yeah. we just, it's so, I was, I was reading the other day, the, um, the parable of the workers, um, at, at the vineyard, you know, the, the landowner who pays um, them all the same, no pays them all the same they at work. the end of the day. And that theft parable has always fascinated me because, because essentially that's what Jesus is doing. Like he's saying like, Hey, you all got paid the same. Um, but, and, and at the beginning of the day, everybody was fine with that, right. but at the end of the day, they're not fine with it anymore because, because they're comparing themselves because there's a status game being played because they're like, they're like, well, well, they only work for an hour. Like, how are people going to know that we worked all day unless you give us more money? <laughs> yeah. You know, and that, that exposes it. It's like, well, why do you need people to know you worked all day? Right. Why don't you just work for the money? You know? I mean? So anyway, dude,
0: oof the thing I noticed too, Carlo, I think this is brilliant. I think saying favor and privilege, um, you know, blessed is almost been like, it's almost been cliched out of meaning, you know, like the hashtag blessed right. is like this trope. Now it's like a meme. And so when, so the word blessed almost to me has this abstract spiritual meaning, Mm -hmm. that people try to like tether to, you know, their teeth whitening or, you know what I mean? Or like the biggest pumpkin of the pumpkin patch. And so simultaneously they try to make it mean everything and it means nothing. Right. Um, But favor and privilege, man arrests you with this thought of like, as I listen to that, I'm like, I don't want the, I don't want the poor to have favor and privilege. Mm. Like, well, who says they get it? (laughs) I don't, right, like, there's right. like this little meritocracy uh, yeah. uh, jerk in me that's like, wait a wait a minute. Listen
2: here, you it's like a sibling who gets a bigger present than you under the tree.
0: Yes, right.
2: you know, and you're just like, oh, oh you guys, you know, like, uh, like, do you do you not love? Him? You know what I mean? Like, it's there's so much that gets revealed in that moment by like who gets favor and privilege. And I think this is, I think that the reason I like how you've done that, Carlo, is I think that's what Jesus was doing. He was just revealing, mm-hmm. you know, wh- like, where do you assign favor and privilege? You know, why isn't it with these people? Why is it with these people? Well, you know what? I'm a, it's with these people in my kingdom. Sort of lets that mess with people. Yeah, go ahead.
1: I was, I want to say it was Gandhi who had a quote. He said something along the lines of like, you can tell the moral character of a country by the way that you treat its animals And, you know, just the the most, like the least privileged member of a society. And, you know, he expands it to even non-human members of society. And, you know, I I do think that's how we should judge governments and societies, right? So what does it mean when Jesus starts out for, hey, guys, in my society and in our, you know, society, the church, this is how we're focusing it on the disenfranchised. So that it's not like we make a society, and at the end, it's like, oh, whatever happened to the homeless people? Let's check. Let's see how they're doing. <laughs> right, you know, I hope it, that
0: worked it, out for them,
1: right? You know, and that's usually how you know. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, like think about the American Revolution. You, mm-hmm. it's it's a story of all these founding fathers who were brilliant men. You know, Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, Benjamin Franklin, who came from you know mostly middle class or rich backgrounds. You know, yeah, like Franklin mm-hmm. was poor for a second, but you know, Washington owned slaves. That's free wealth. Yeah. you know, Like these people, yeah. they were incredibly rich. So they see an injustice. They have a war to right that wrong. And uh what happened to the slaves? I really wasn't considering them in our, in our new society. Yeah. And that's how God judges societies, I think.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Dude.
0: Okay. Well, um, <clears throat> you have another, uh, reading you can, uh, regale us with
1: uh yeah um so yeah sure uh i'm I'm trying to (laughs) remember which one i was i had yeah so this one uh is um it's further on the sermon on the mount um but um do you know the part where it's like give and i'll come back to you press down shake together running over yeah it's that (laughs) part okay (laughs) Mm -hmm. in the government of heaven there is justice you have heard it said that justice is making people suffer for what they did to us i tell you justice is repairing what was broken this is how you must understand justice promote the interests of the least advantaged members of society and it will come back to you create a system that will not judge people in dire circumstances then you won't be judged when you are in a dire circumstance Create a system that under, that does not dehumanize, and you will not be dehumanized. Create a system that is understanding and is gentle. And when you inevitably make a mistake, understanding and restoration will be showered on you. Create a system that proactively gives resources to the community, and those resources will come back to you. Those gifts will compound an interest immensely, and you will have funding and resources to live in a society of excess. I'm telling you, the investments you make in this new government will return to you in the form of a beautiful community, a fair community, a community where life will be sweet, fair, and good.
2: Sign me up. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go,
0: we're Jamestown, ho. Uh, Uh, I was going to ask Ben what you noticed there, but let me jump in. I, um, Carlo, the language you're using in the retelling or the, maybe we can call it like midrash. It's almost like you're doing a midrash on the story of Jesus. Uh, I don't know if that's um, offensive to uh, people who, Jewish people who actually have midrash, rash, but it's like you're riffing a bit. Um, I'm noticing how, Often I hear the Gospels and Jesus's teaching, and they, and they seem like they're religious stuff. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like they're spiritual things.
1: Right. I hate that word, man. Mm-hmm. Spiritual. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no say I hate- more. That- say more. Say more. When something is spiritual, like that, that okay, okay, I'm gonna give you a little story for this. One time, I was uh, at uh, a church service. And we were talking about um what was it we were we were talking about being good stewards and uh so we start talking about money and so i started bringing up like you know um jesus is w- preaching and his teachings on money how the bible you know has a very harsh hard message of how we should treat uh, our economics our personal finances and greater finances And immediately everyone who was so into the Bible, and this was a very Bible based, you know, evangelical sort of church who really, they prided themselves of taking the Bible seriously and not letting anybody else, not letting mankind pollute their understanding of the Bible. Immediately all these people quickly start to back up and say, wait, wait, wait. Jesus said, sell all you have, but that's in a spiritual way. All right. We we have to understand it spiritually. Uh, uh, Jesus said, uh, you know, you cannot serve two masters, but, you know, in a spiritual sense, we we need to understand it's a spiritual sense. And then they would go on and start justifying why billionaires and millionaires and wealth and wealthy people are necessary for society. And and we we can't challenge those people. In fact, we should be opening our arms so that those people come into the church. And then maybe when they're in the church, then they'll give their money to the church, and we'll be able to use it. So, you know, the money is a good thing. We have to understand it's in a spiritual way. And spiritual, after a while, for me, it feels like in a way that it means what I want it to mean and doesn't mean whatever I don't want it to mean. Yeah. Um, but not in a tangible way. Right. Like being spiritually fed does not fill your belly.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> you know, being spiritually rested does not ease your muscles, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah. but in a spiritual way.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's used, it's become uh, a word that is used by people who don't generally have need of physical things the system works for them and so yeah you're you're sort of invested in a way with with, and I don't Mm -hmm. think people realize this right I mean I'm giving people the benefit of the doubt here they don't realize that the reason that they buck against these these uh kind of plain teachings of Jesus so to speak Mm -hmm. is just that they're so invested in a system that's like working for them. And I'm putting that in scare quotes You uh, on the podcast. You won't be able to hear this, but like, um, it seems like it's working for them and, or they don't have to worry about those things. And so, you know, it, it feels more convenient to basically just kind of spiritualize this stuff when in fact, you know, when the, when the word is used in scripture, it's actually referring to the Holy spirit. So it's of the character of the Holy spirit oftentimes. And like, so it means something different there, but I, I, I agree with you that the The colloquial usage of it is oftentimes this excuse from my obligation, you know, if I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus to actually think about how I'm using my money and what, you know, what I'm investing in and and what the systems are that I'm creating, Um, Mm -hmm. which is something else I appreciated about that. uh, That little midrash uh, that you had there is just, it was all about create a system. In which these things happen, rather than you as an because this is the way that I used to read this, and I'm learning not to, but still, it's hardwired into me. When I when you know don't judge lest you be judged, I'm thinking Jesus is talking to me as an individual person about my personal in my mind in my heart, which is that's real, right? I mean that that's uh, yeah that's that's part of the system is my ability to do that, but I, I like how you've kind of framed it in terms of saying like create a system where this doesn't like, this doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Create a system where this works instead of this, um, where wealth is, you know, shared by all. And that way you'll all have this economy of abundance. And anyway, just, just great.
1: Yeah. I, I love that. I'm glad you guys enjoy it. Yeah. I'm really good. It.
2: It's really good.
0: And it really fits well. I mean, this is one of the reasons why um, we wanted to have you on Carlo. A, we miss you. B, uh, we believe in you. And (laughs) C, we do. And C, the work you're doing with this translation fits very well into like why we're calling this living the politics of Jesus. Uh, Because Jesus didn't come to give us a personal private piety.
1: Right.
0: He came to reconstitute what it means to be human in a social embodiment.
1: Don't you feel that that makes the gospel bigger? It makes it better. It, it like like <laughs> I, 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 no, that makes it way bigger yeah i know like yeah, you know, yeah. up, it was sort of like like at least for me in, in the in the background that i came from that was sort of not like looked down upon i guess you know the the idea of that like oh you know that's that's transforming the gospel into something that it's not let's not bring politics into these things but before we were talking about, you know, me, Carlo Payon and whatever city I live in, whether it's in Indianapolis or in New York and, you know, my personal day. And that's a beautiful, beautiful story. Don't get me wrong. And, and if that was all that God was, he would still be worthy of worship. But now it's all of creation. Creation that I don't even know exists yet. Creation bigger than me, and much smaller than me and further from me and much more closer to me than I've ever known because it encapsulates every aspect of my life Mm -hmm. as opposed to like in my quiet time, which is once again, great, but you have to have time to have quiet time. You need to have a space that is quiet to have quiet time. You know, all these assumptions Mm -hmm. are kind of being forced into the Bible. When we, when we look at it, this way. it it becomes like a religion for middle-class people.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's an optional add on to, to a life you know for people who are into that kind of thing right. um and it, yeah so i i agree with you i think it makes it bigger which i think makes it scarier um in a sense it's scarier because that's better like you said matt but it's also scarier if you are mm-hmm. like white if you're middle class like if you, yes if, if you are comfortable in the system it is it's a big it's a big scary thing to follow jesus if these are the implications um and so it it, it does change it. Um, and I, I think you're right. It doesn't reduce it to something. It expands it to something. Um, I think it, I think it's Brian Zond who said, you know, what we've done is we've relegated Jesus to secretary of afterlife affairs. Mm. And, and I, you know, I, I grew, I had a, you know, but I grew up in the kind of the evangelical world and I like my impression for the most part was that Jesus came to like secure this insurance policy that makes sure that I get into heaven when I die and in, in the meantime, try to be nice. Mm. Yeah. You know. And I was just like, at at a certain point, I was like, that is not compelling anymore. <laughs> right. I mean, the heaven thing sounds great. I'd rather go there than go to hell. So thank God for this insurance policy. But what am I trying to do in the meantime? Like, what? Am, what's actually? I'm just trying to be nice.
1: So that that's something that I really really loved about the the series. Um, and as it goes on, you know, obviously, like we know the ending. So, mm-hmm. uh, but, but Jesus doesn't get crucified for being nice. Right. Um, you know, when when you think of crucifixion as oh, this was a a specific type of execution for enemies of the state, and then we see that he had a triumphal a triumphant entry into Jerusalem,
2: mm-hmm.
1: then you start to be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That that would be tantamount to somebody. You know, walking from the Capitol or from the Lincoln Memorial all the way to the White House and saying, all right, you know, I put a hand on the Bible. And then you're like, wait, are you are you taking over the country? Is this a coup? Um, And he did that for like, what, a week? (laughs) So, yeah, it's just sort of like, yeah, no wonder he was killed. So if that's how he was killed, then maybe that has more to say about my relationship to the state and to government than, you know, I, I hope. You know, my, my Christian attitude, you know, helped me bite my tongue at work today. Yeah. Dude. Uh, I mean, that's
0: good, right? <laughs> it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. what you're highlighting, though, is why going to the wilderness, baptizing people in the Jordan River, baptizing Jewish people who weren't baptized, Gentiles were baptized, baptizing mm-hmm. Jewish people, having them leave the promised land and come back into the promised land through the Jordan River outside. This is why the religious leaders were there like – uh, brooding and steaming pissed yeah. and why John the Baptist says, what are you doing here? Right? Um, right. This, this is, this is why riding into Jerusalem on a donkey is such a politically scandalous act. This is why when the paralytic gets loaded lowered through the roof, Jesus says, which is more hard to say your sins are forgiven or take up your mat and walk. And the the punchline there that we miss is that Jesus didn't have authority to forgive sins in the Mm -hmm. dominant power structure of the day. The people who did, who controlled that system, to use one of your words, Carlo, that mechanism were in the room. And everybody in the room knew that the only way this person's sins could be forgiven was through their mechanism. And so Mm -hmm. he's looking at them and saying, uh, which would you rather me say something that will take your power away that anybody could say or to do the thing that you couldn't do <clears throat> which is take up your mountain walk. Right. it's a it's a like it is it's it, there's no win for them there. They <laughs> can't say either is easier because both of them cost them status and honor. So I like here, here's here's what uh, I think your writing helps us recover and why I want to commend it is because all those interactions, and more. Jesus is not simply a spiritual teacher. He is confronting mm-hmm. the systems and structures, the dominant power of his day, that oppress and hurt and malign people, that create two classes of people, or three classes, or 18 classes of people, and relegate some to, you don't get favor and privilege. And right. he's dismantling it, and he's doing it in a tenaciously uh, present ruthlessly pointed um brilliant way over and mm. over and over again
1: right
0: and we turn uh the we turn the paralytic story into well this is when jesus proved his divinity and right. i want to go that's crap here's what he was doing mm-hmm. and anyway mm-hmm. i'm sorry sorry
1: uh, no no you, you, know I, I, you
0: know what i'm saying you know what i'm
1: saying and and you know the thing about it is really interesting whenever i i talk to people about the gospel non-christians um i one Jewish friend in my mind, in particular, and um, a, a pagan, a, a Wiccan friend, in my mind that I I spoke to, and because the evangelical world of Christianity is so up and front and center, they were like, I feel like I know this story, and to evangelicals too. Whenever I, I do these things, I read mm. words or stories in a certain way immediately. No matter what the background, it no longer becomes a sort of like, well, I'm not Christian. So that's not really apply to me. But, you know, thanks. I, I appreciate your religion. It starts becoming a, oh, yeah. wow. Oh, this is real, like, I don't need to come down and say a Jesus prayer. I don't need to sign my name or anything. Immediately, just the words themselves, they start to like come alive in my life. And Ben, yet yeah, says something. And I'm, like, I'm saying this as if like, I'm not middle class, as if like, I don't have privilege that our society applauds. And mm-hmm. that's the scary thing about it. Like mm-hmm. yeah. for me, I, I love to find my oppression and be like, "Ha, Jesus loves me this time now." So I got that oppression, but like all the other <laughs> privilege I have, I'm like, "Well, you know, we're all front and center at the, right. at the table," and God's like, "Nah, you're still in the back, bro." Like, let's yeah. go, you know?
0: yeah, uh, dude, Carlo, my, my mind's spinning. I'm just going through all these stories that I, I'm, I'm using. Yoshe. Yo, I'm taking Yoshe through all my stories right now, the scripture, and he's helping me. Uh, mm. speaking of Yoshe and his uh his travel log, um, if people wanted to read more about this, could you tell us about your uh your Patreon page and and how people can support you and read more of your stories if they want?
1: Yeah, I'd love to. Uh so my Patreon page is cepan at, or sorry, patreon.com forward slash C E <laughs> i'm so used to saying that uh <laughs> um so the easy way to remember how to spell "payon" is c so it's going to be c-e then p-e and then a-n Yeah. Um, and then and that's c-e uh so it's patreon.com forward slash c-e uh and you can become a patron for five dollars a month you can get access to all these stories hmm. um and they come out usually on a weekly basis um trying to be pretty good about that uh yeah but we we had a we had a stumble a couple months back but usually on a weekly basis um if if five dollars a month you know i do want to make it accessible to everybody i get like that college student life and you're like i know it's just five dollars but listen uh so you can do three dollars a month you get access to all my poetry that i write i also write poetry and uh you'll get access to uh one story uh a month and then one dollar a month if you just want to be a supporter you get access to uh, a story or a poem a month, uh, depending on the month. Yeah.
0: Well, your writing's worth three times as much, Mm. Ah, but uh, anyway, Carlo, thanks for reading. It's (laughs) such a bargain. Thanks for, uh, thanks for reading some of your stuff with us today. Thanks for being a part of our community, even there in somewhere between Queens and Long Island, New York city ish. And also uh, just thanks for sharing your gift with us.
1: Thanks you guys. I miss you guys so much.
0: Yeah, we miss and you too, we man. We miss
1: you too, man. Yeah. So. All right. Love you guys. <laughs>